Now, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to move into this word because I'm very stirred in my spirit. Would you give God a praise offering? Come on. Come on. Let's give him 10 seconds of praise. Come on. Give him 10 seconds of praise. Come on. Give him a praise. You know, I walked, I walked over to Pastor a moment ago, and I said, I ain't never in my life. There's something so special about this house. Some of y'all need to go on vacation to a dead church. Make you appreciate what you got. Because I've been all over the world. I've been good, bad, and even uglier. And you have to understand, there is something special about this property. Something fierce. I guarantee you. See, I've learned if you're not coming up against the devil, it's because you flow with him. So I guarantee you there's attacks. I guarantee you there's words spoken. But you know, one of the prayers that I've been praying, Pastor, is when I pulled in here, is that God would no longer allow this property to be wallpaper to the community. So that when they drive by, they see it. Like a neon sign. And there's a stirring in my spirit tonight. And, and thank you for the kindness, man, the love that we have felt. Thank you for stopping at the table. Pastor mentioned it a moment ago about Abby's house. Right now, my, my beautiful daughter who joined us when she was nine months old came to us and she said, Mom and Dad, I want the first house that I build to be a home for girls. So we're rescuing 12 girls off the streets. We were hoping to do it by December. And uh, putting them, then we're going to house them in Moldova. They drop them off at the bus stops when they age out of the orphanages. And so we're taking them, and then they get picked up by the sex traffickers and, and used within 40 to 50 times in the first uh, week or so. And, and so God began to speak to our daughter, Abigail, and that, so we're calling it Abby's house. So we're building a home there. And um, uh, the, our friends on the other side of us, Daystar TV's building, Marcus and Joni Lamb are building one on the other one side, and then, and then a, another church, uh, Stephen Furtick's building one on the middle on the other side. But we felt like we would do this differently. We wouldn't do this uh, in the sense of um, going on television or anything like that. Simply saying that from this point on, anything at our table, anything that comes into this ministry goes there till we pay that, and that's what God spoke to us. And so. When you stop by that table back there, you need to understand that it's a mandate from us. We hope to, had hoped to do it by winter and COVID hit, and, uh, but we're going to do it this year. And so you can be a part of our, our daughter's uh, house, Abby's house. And so by stopping by and, and looking at the, the books back there, I am remnant. Why is God so mad at me? Um, dehydrated, all the different books. But there's something else back there that I, I didn't even know if we came prepared for it. Uh, about five years ago, Holy Spirit spoke to me while laying on the beach, and he said, I didn't ask you to die for the church. I already did. And he began to speak to me, and he said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And I didn't understand what that was. Matthew 16, 19, Isaiah 22, verse 22, the keys to the house of David. And so we began to pray for the keys to the kingdom. A year later, we're walking down the beach, and suddenly laying in the ocean, right when we were praying, it was a key. True story. We have that key framed, and no one else was on the beach. And God said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And he began to pour into us the entrepreneurial anointing, the anointing to be both priest and king. And if you have that burning inside of you to launch business, to launch vision, to launch that, there's a card back there. It's called a drop card. And you simply type in the thing on the Internet, and you put the code in, and it downloads all the messages. And, uh, in fact, I, I think Jordan handed me one earlier. Let me see. 
And it's just one of these cards, but all the messages are on there. You download it, it goes right to your iPhone or your Apple or whatever. And so I challenge you to check that out because there's people in this room that when you listen to it, God's going to begin to unleash ideas, business ideas, vision ideas, how to step in. There's four streams in the Garden of Eden. God will give you four streams. Anybody with me? Or does this just sound crazy? If you like, if you like, if you have a poverty spirit, you're going to hate this message. So um, if you have an orphan spirit, you'll hate it. But when you begin to realize that he says that I give you the ability to create wealth, take joy in your prosperity. When you begin to understand that he will give you the keys to the kingdom. I was praying one day and I saw this belt and I saw all these keys on it. And I said, Lord, what is that? He said, it's my keys. He said, just ask me for the keys. He said, no one asked me for the keys. And so I challenge you to grab that card back there to, to, and download those messages because, uh, and I don't normally talk about it. In fact, it's a future book we're writing called Unfinished. And um, so I had stopped even talking about it, and, but I felt it so strongly when you begin to talk about the silver, the silver being uncovered. You know, Luke 15 is the lost chapter, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. It's the three reasons why people are lost. The lost coin got lost because somebody mishandled it. The lost sheep got lost because it wandered off. And the lost son got lost because he made bad decisions. But they're all found. And you have to understand, it's the very reason why in America people are lost right now. And anyway, I don't have time to go into that whole thing. But, but I challenge you to stop back there at the table. And thank you for sowing into this ministry. It's a ministry of purity. It's a ministry where I don't touch the finances. It's a ministry with the board of directors. And it's a ministry that in three weeks we'll be in Brazil preaching to th tens of thousands while your camp meeting is going on, because I was supposed to be here for camp meeting. <laughs> but I've got to go to a thing called um, Carnival, which is um, Mardi, Gras, Mardi Gras on steroids for 10 days. Absolute perversion, but we're going to be preaching in the streets. And so, so um, anyway, that's what you sow into a ministry. My beautiful wife sends you greetings and uh, my family, but I must move into this word. Are you ready for this? I love this house. Thank you for trusting me. God's called you and I to walk in covenant together. I, I, you know, a few months ago, um, right when the pandemic hit, our publisher, Charisma, called and they said, how did you know what was coming? I said, we didn't. Because we had written the book on fear called Restore the Roar. It suddenly went through the roof. And I'm going to preach about Restore the Roar for a few moments, if that's okay with you. Because the number one spirit, how many of you know that media gets paid to scare you either scare you or cancel you how many of you understand there's a spirit of fear over our nation how many of you understand when you leave the door open to fear any outside nation can move in you understand that you bow what we've hap what we've watched happen with the government concerning COVID and a lot of other stuff very real sickness is exactly how Hitler took over Germany Read the Hitler Manifesto, the Nazi Manifesto. And he, in fact, in the manifesto, he said the churches cannot have altar calls. So the government didn't have to tell us that was already happening. But what we're seeing right now is in three days, I watched in March, three days, our nation gets shut down. It took three days for the church to go quiet. What happened? I had the mayor of Orange Beach, Alabama, say to me on the phone, he said, Pat, I don't know what happened to our nation in three days. And see, what you have to understand is there's a stirring in my spirit and God sent me and pastor said direction is coming when he gave the prophetic word a few moments ago. And as a, this morning, as I shared about the altar, understand once you preach on the altar, you better prepare for your attack. So I'm going to talk about the attack for a moment. But by the time we get done in here, there's going to be a sound over this place. 
but I can't go there just yet. Jordan, would you show them that video? I got to preach, restore the world. Get ready, because some of you are going to sleep tonight. See, what you have to understand is not only do we travel the world and, and preach and write books and stuff. We're health coaches. We've helped hundreds of thousands take back their health and lose weight because we need them to live and be healthy. But one of the, the number one battles that I've seen with people, the number one thing that attacks them is fear. But see, I've got to tell you something. Some of you have been through some things. And scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. And it's impossible to have compassion without first having pain. So what you've been through really is a great indication of who you're called to. In fact, i got news for you. Your past is not your prison, it's your university. So what you have to realize as I begin to move into this word, I want you to open your Bibles very quickly, if you would, because I'm going to go there. The Bible says, in fact, go ahead and jump to 2 Chronicles 26, and I'll get there in just a moment. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Do you understand that fear is to hell what faith is to the believer? It is the enemy's number one. In fact, I will tell you the root of all sin is fear. In fact, I will tell you that when you begin to allow that into your life and it's crippled and it, and it conquers you and it comes at you so strongly. I write about and Karen writes about in Restore the Roar years of living in crippling fear. Preaching faith, preaching power, seeing tens of thousands saved, filled with the spirit, all of that. But then getting conquered by this thing called fear. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, verse 1, the wicked flee for no reason, but the righteous are as bold as lions. I'm going to tell you why we call it Restore the Roar in just a moment. Because you have to understand, I love Psalm 34, verse 17. It says, yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all of their hearts, the Lord will hear them come to rescue them from all of their troubles. There's a crying out. There's a release that has to happen. We're going to do that in a moment. See, there's a battle going on. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and violent people are writing it. Do you know that that literally when you begin to study and you go deep into that word, violent means fierce, fierce means proud, dangerous, ready to roar. When Holy Spirit began to speak to us and began to stir some things, we had to walk through some things. In fact, you have to realize courage awakens the roar. It's when you suddenly understand Psalms 133 where it says he commands his blessing over you. That everywhere you step, everywhere you walk, every meeting you walk into, you are different. Are you getting this so, so far? Because I want to get to heaven with nothing left to do. I want to live somewhere between amen and there it is. But there's a moment where you have to shift on the inside. And I said it in that video, but how you handle your greatest fear today determines how others will see God tomorrow. All through the word of God, there's unbelievable stories. 
In fact, I would tell you that 80% of the leaders in the Bible had to face fear, including Jesus. I mean, you can go from story to story to story. You can, you can go from Noah to Moses to Elijah. How many of you know Elijah was a redneck? He went up in a tornado. I'm just saying. To David, to Simon Peter. Remember what happened to Simon Peter? He remembered it was Shark Week on, on Nat Geo. Started sinking. All through the Bible, there are stories. But there's one particular story, and I'm going to share about it and come back to it towards the end. But it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. The Bible says, but after Uzziah became powerful. Now, understand something. In, in our chapter, our chapter in Restore the Roar, we talked about in chapter 13 how the, you know, the waiting on something bad to happen. My parents were drug addicts, got radically saved when I was five years old. How many of you know if you're a drug dealer and you get saved, you become a preacher? It's a rule. And, <laughs> amen, just saying. I'm looking at you, Ryan. And so, <laughs> Better grab that call. All right, now watch. But, but, yeah, one, one of the, you know, so I, I was raised around fear. Every time I'd walk out the door, my mother would say, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. My friends would be at the house visiting with me in high school, and I, we'd start to leave and go somewhere. Mom would go, I plead the blood of Jesus over you. If the rapture happens, don't miss it. My friends would go, what? What was that? And I'd go, she ain't right. <laughs> she did a lot of drugs. A lot of acid got dropped. We still get together as a family at Christmas and watch strobe lights and have family flashbacks. Amen. <laughs> Y'all, if you understood that, have a terrible past. <laughs> Everybody's in here, well. But what you got to understand is I was raised in fear. I'll never forget my son was about, and I write about this in the book, but he was about five years old and and uh, he started having nightmares. And so in the middle of the night, man, every night, Nate at 3 o'clock in the morning would scream, Daddy, Daddy. Maybe he's about four, three or four. Daddy, Daddy. And, and, and I'd go into his room. He said, I'm scared. Something's under the bed. Something's in the closet. So finally I couldn't take it any longer. And I got a white bottle. And I wrote Holy Spirit on it. And I filled it up with water. And every time he'd wake up, I'd walk into his room and I'd say, where's it at? And, and he'd say, under the bed. And I'd squirt under the bed. Holy Spirit's got him. Where's he at? In the closet. I'd squirt the closet. Now, it will mildew your floor, but eventually you're going to get some sleep, I'm going to tell you. Because eventually he just started screaming, get the spray! My God! Get the spray, Daddy! It's back! Do you understand? We are raising a generation that is crippled by fear. Now their fear of what they say, their fear of how they look, their fear of their skin. We're living in a time where all out fear is crippling a generation. Now watch this because it's time for some courageous warriors to rise up. It's time for somebody to rise up and say enough. Somebody, you don't even realize it because I hear a sound in this place. I hear a sound over this house. I hear the sound of the roar. I hear, I, oh, I hear a lion over this place. And some of you don't even realize it that he has been walking 
jumping back and forth in front of your house. I'm not talking about some little kitty cat. I'm talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah that has been saying you can't touch them. Disease can't have them. And you've got to understand, as I move into this word, I'm looking for somebody to get the roar back tonight because there's some boldness that's got to rise up. We're so crippled. We wear our little mask. We won't look at anybody. We don't talk to anybody anymore. We get in our cars. We wear a mask in our car for no reason. We're even told in some states to wear it in their house. Idiots. Here's what you got to understand. Here's what you have to understand. There's a fierceness that's going to have to awaken in the church or we will be put under. There's an all-out onslaught coming against the church. Pretty soon they're going to tell us, you don't get tax credit for giving. Good. Take it. Pretty soon they're going to begin to take things from the church. But that is when the church grows. And I'm speaking prophetically to you. I talked to you about it on the phone two days ago. It's coming. But what would happen? The Bible says, but after Uzziah became powerful, can I just stop you right there? The minute you're on the front page, the next day you're going you're to be in the obituary. Because God doesn't care about your ministry. He cares about his name. But after Uzziah became powerful, we got too many bombs wearing nice suits. And they're, low, they're, they're running around preaching with their giftings, but no depth, no spiritual encounters. And that's nothing, like, that's nothing but taking a nice suit and putting on a homeless man when you've got giftings without spirit. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord and burned incense on the altar of incense. This is the Old Testament. Priest and king were divided. New Testament, they came together. Jesus was priest and king. We know that David operated in two different times in both. But you have to understand, it was not the role of King Uzziah to burn incense on the altar. That was the priest's job. It was the Levitical order. He was not of the Levitical order. And the Bible says... He walks in and begins to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, whose name means Yahweh has helped. I really wish my parents would have given me a biblical name. What does Patrick mean? Blessed and highly favored. I made that up, but that's what I say. But Azariah, whose name, mean, whose name means Yahweh has helped, the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. Why am I talking about 80? Because we don't know who these people are. We don't know who these warriors were. But they confronted him. Let me stop right there. I'm looking for my 80. Because the number 80 in the Hebrew is P-E-Y. Pay. It means to pray, shout, roar. So Yahweh has helped those who cry out. That's what it means when you put it all together. They confronted him and they said it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense. On the altar of incense. I'll come back to that in a moment. But see, what you have to understand is I'm looking for my 80. We don't even know who these 80 were, but they would shift everything. They would lead to the Old Testament upper room with Isaiah seeing the Lord. You're not getting this just yet because Uzziah was the cousin of Isaiah. That I'll come back to that in a few moments. But I'm looking for somebody that will rise up and say, wait just a minute. You're not going to tell my kids that they were born wrong sexually. You're not going to tell my children that, 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 that they have to bow to what culture is expressing to them. Wait just a minute. Something's got to rise up why do you think they put the school in this trailer over here there's a moment where you begin to say I've had enough we are still God's chosen we are still righteous we still carry the seed of Abraham is anybody with me so far I'm looking for my 80 in fact you have to understand last year in the Hebrew calendar was 5780 what does the number 80 mean pray shout roar do you know what this year is 5781 
September 29th was Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, Jewish calendar. 5781, for the next 10 years, we're in the 80s. Do you understand that 81 means to pray, shout, roar, but also to widen your mouth, show your teeth. We're in the season of God saying, I can't hear you. Speak up. We're in that season, and you need to understand. He sent me to ask you, where is the roar of my lions? I don't know who the precious powerful warrior was standing up here that came up to pray and then went had bold enough uh boldness enough to go out and lay hands on people a few moments ago but that is a lion because i saw more compassion in her i saw more hunger to see people's lives change i don't know who she is but she's a missionary but see you have to understand god sent me to ask you Where's the roar of my lion? See, understand, every revival has a sound. In fact, I, I study the revivals. I, I have a prayer bench from the first great awakening where George Whitfield preached in Connecticut and Georgia. I have a prayer bench from the church there that's over 400 years old. It's in our dining room. I can go sit down on it and Holy Spirit just begins to whisper. That prayer bench, because wood holds sound, has inside of it the preaching and the crying out of the first revival that hit America. I've studied the revivals. I can talk to you about the Second Great Awakening. I can talk to you about the prayer movement in the 1800s that broke out for two years. And from Wall Street to Boston to Chicago, every business shut down at noon every day to cry out to God. The Second Great Awakening where Sunday school began and missionaries were launched out of America. I can tell you about the Welsh revival. I can tell you that I was just in England last year, that when you go to Wales, literally when you pull into the parking lot of this little chapel where 17 teenagers cried out, I, uh, bend us, O Lord, led by a young man by the name of Evan Roberts, and revival broke out for 10 years, that when you pull into that parking lot, you can still hear, hear angels singing. In fact, my friend, who bought Reese Howe College. He's from Singapore, group of pastors from Asia. And literally on that, it's where Bunky went to college. Every 12 feet, there's, there's, there's altars set up that are still there to this day. And as you walk from each altar, your feet get heavier and heavier as if you're in a river. I've studied the great revivals. I can tell you about Azusa Street, the move of God that broke out in Los Angeles. Where God baptized people with fire. I can tell you about the great revivals. I've studied them. They all had a sound. The first great awakening was the sound of a new nation giving birth. The second great awakening was a sound of, of a nation growing up and sending out instead of always taking in. I can tell you the Welsh revival was about a crying out and a bending over. I can tell you the Zuzu Street was the sound of tongues. Are you getting this so far? Every revival has a sound. The 1930s revivals and 40s revivals and the tent revivals were the sound of healing coming forth. The Jesus movement was the sound of worship being birthed. Where hippies were coming in from everywhere and giving their heart to God. In fact, every day off the coast of Southern California, they were baptizing 3,000 a day in the waters. Some of that's happening again there right now. It was the sound of worship. It's where modern day worship came from. They left the hymns and began to sing. I can tell you about Brownsville. I preached there. 
In Azusa Street, they said it looked like a giant dove would land upon people's faces. I've been in Brownsville where I saw an angel while I was preaching, sitting on a well, uncapping the well. I've seen the move of God there. I got to be a part of it. Every revival, it's been 25 years since the move of God hit America. And the Lord told me the next revival that is coming will be the sound of the roar. What do you mean? My favorite revival is called the Hebrides Revival. It's my favorite. 1948, 49 to 52. Off the coast of Scotland. It's a coal mining area. Desert right in the middle of the ocean. Harshness. Harsh winters. Taverns. The church was dead. But there was two little ladies named the Smith Sisters. The aunt of our president that just left office. He's named after Donald who helped lead that revival. The Bible he was sworn in on was a Bible from that move of God. But these two little crippled sisters who were in their 60s and 70s or 70s years old, one was completely bent over and the other one was completely blind. They could not go to church, but God had spoke to them. I'm going to pour out my spirit here in the Hebrides. They would tell their pastor he would ignore them. They would pray. They would invite people to pray at their cottage. Till at one point, they would have five, 600 people outside their cottage in the shadows. God would amplify their little voices as they prayed. Finally, their pastor wrote a letter to a young evangelist by the name of Duncan Campbell. Duncan's over in England. Big deal. Well known. He says, you're supposed to come to the Hebrides. Duncan ignored it. Till finally one day he's standing up to preach in front of a giant crusade in England and packed house. And as he walks up to preach, God says, leave now or I will be done with you. Get on a boat and go to the Hebrides. So he did. He got on a boat. He arrived in the Hebrides. They came out to meet him. They said, we've been waiting on you. And they went to this big room like a barn to have service. And they were all waiting there because God had promised them a scripture in Isaiah that he would pour his water out on dry and thirsty land. And the, the, the story goes a little bit like this. And this is the reason why it's my favorite revival to study. Because he's standing there and nothing happens for two hours. Two hours. They're just waiting. Till finally he turns to a man on the front row named John that was a blacksmith. And he said, John, would you just stand up and pray, please? And John, the young blacksmith, stood up and prayed a prayer that rocked the heavens. And glory broke out for three solid years. To the point that every tavern was empty. People were set free. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost would flow into the coal mines. People were healed. Mighty move of God. But his prayer was simply this. This young blacksmith stands up and screams out, Oh God, your honor is at stake, and now I challenge you to fulfill your covenant engagement and do what you have promised to do. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer, I would pray a prayer every morning, morning and night. I'll get into that deeper in just a moment because, see, I'm preaching some truth here. There's a moment where you have to go to battle, and some of you ain't hungry enough to go to battle yet. You ain't been through enough yet. You had not had to fight and stand back. In fact, when you see people up here all radical and excited, you're like, I don't know what that's all about. You hadn't been through their battle. See, you don't get radical overnight. You got to walk through some things. You ain't 
baby out of hell. Fight. You got to fight for your marriage. Fight for your business. Look at the bills laying on the counter saying, I'm not going to get swallowed up by that. Look at that doctor's report and say it doesn't own me. But do you know what he prayed in modern terms when he said, God, your honor's at stake? He stood up and he basically said, because God had given a promise. Now, you need to understand something. There is a promise of another revival coming to this nation. And it's about to hit. But it has to get bad for it to get hit right. For us to get hungry. For us to turn off Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. For us to begin to rise up and say, wait a minute. I'm going to turn worship on in my family 24 hours a day. I'm going to lay hands on my kids before they go to school in the morning. I'm going to speak life over them. Because if you don't give your kids identity, the world will steal it. Do you know what he prayed? And I'm wondering if as I get into this word, I'm not even there yet. If there's anybody bold enough in this room, because I hear a roar over this house. I'm wondering if there's anybody in this room that has something inside of them that said they've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm not just going to sit there and get disgusted watching the news and watching what the new president signs into law. I've had enough. I'm not talking about invoking some, some ungodly revolution. I'm talking about a call for the church to be the church again. To stand up and say, I've had enough. I want God to pour out his spirit. So I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. Is there one person in this room that has enough Jesus on the inside, but enough frustration boiling over in their spirit that will stand up, throw their hands in the air and scream, oh God, your reputation is at stake. Will one person do it? Go. Louder! Louder! Anybody that needs a miracle in their family that'll say, Oh God, your reputation's at stake. One teenager that wants their campus saved that will cry it out in this room. One former drug addict in this room that will cry out because you're so tired of people being, you can see it when they pull into the convenience store that they've been possessed by a spirit trying to kill them and put dirt on them. One person that will say, oh God, your reputation is at stake. Louder! this be the hour sit down sit down see in September of 2018 I was in a hotel room and I was getting ready to go I had just preached a series of meetings for a couple of days and we were heading over to England where we were going on to Portugal where we have a remnant church there and incredible move of God breaking out in, in Europe but I was weary. And I'm sound asleep in the hotel room and we'll be getting up early that morning and then preaching one more time and then flying on out to, to Europe with my family. But we had just come through something. See, several months before this, my wife was standing in the kitchen 
And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit said to her, Karen, you're about to go through a difficult and uncertain season, but do you trust me? She came into the living room and looked at me and told me what the Lord had just said to her. And I said, no, that's not God. She said, Pat, God just said that to me. I said, it's not. No, I don't receive it. We're not going through a difficult and uncertain season. She said, Pat, this is what the Lord says. True story. I'm a little, a little transparent. She began to feel sick, tired, exhausted. My wife is a go-getter. She loves to work out. She travels and preaches all over the world. She writes books. But she was weary, and her body was tired. We went to doctor after doctor after doctor until finally we ended up at a doctor when we moved to Fort Worth who sat across from her and said, you have leukemia. We have an altar in our bedroom, and every time we would bring the blood reports home, We'd lay down the altar and declare that it's not from God. She would war every day. We would fight every day. I would get up in the morning and praise, in the evening and praise. I'd turn on worship as soon as I wake up. I didn't know that's when the lion roars, morning and evening. Till finally, I was going over to speak in Charlotte at a pastor's conference, and Karen was flying to Brazil to speak to 25,000 women, and we were standing and believing. We wouldn't tell anybody because I didn't need anybody in the house I had to kick out. I didn't need anybody if not God. I didn't need anybody to go, brother, we're praying for you, but you know. No, 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 shut your mouth. Not us. Because we stood and we fought. Prayed in the spirit. And she was getting on a flight. And she was flying to Brazil. And all of a sudden, even on as she landed in Brazil, getting ready to speak to 25,000 women at this massive gathering there. All of a sudden, as she's getting ready to walk on stage, I'm in Charlotte. Abby traveled with me. I'm preaching in Charlotte at a pastor's conference, all kinds of pastors. And I'm standing there with my friend Todd Smith, the revival in Georgia there. And we're both there. And Todd and I are holding this meeting in, in, at Judah Church in Charlotte. And, and all of a sudden, as I get up ready to preach, the Holy Spirit says to me at that exact same moment, he says, the storm is over. The exact same time as Karen is standing on stage. Have you got that? As she's saying these terms, I am revival, I am revival, and they're quoting after her at that exact moment right there, Holy Spirit whispers to her, your blood is healed. During that moment right there. Because she preaches a message called I am revival. I couldn't wait till they get to the airport because I had to fly on over to Philadelphia to speak. And she gets done. She's in the session in the green room there in Brazil. And I call her and I say, you're not going to believe. And she says, no, 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 you're not going to believe what God just said to me. And so after we went back and forth not believing. <laughs> eventually, after 31 years of marriage, I just go, okay, I lose. What? <laughs> she said, God told me he healed my blood. I said, he told me the same thing. We flew home. We both came home. She went to the doctor. The doctor came in and she said, Doctor, before you do bone marrow, one, would you do just one more blood test for us? He's a, he's a Jewish doctor. Best oncologist in Fort Worth. And all of a sudden he came walking into the room after he took the blood and a big old smile on his face. And Dr. Thurstenberg said this to us. He said, I don't know what's happened. But your blood is perfect. He's still pre-Christian. 
He's still pre-Christian. But I'll even tell you a couple months ago, he decided to FaceTime us one night, one of the top oncologists in the world. He takes her report to oncologist conferences and says, explain this. He called us. He said, Karen, because Karen went in. He said, I want you to still periodically come and get your blood tested. She goes in. He called us, and he said, I don't know how to tell you. This is a couple months ago, right in the middle of COVID. He said, I'm going to FaceTime me. He said, so he gets on there with us. He said, I don't know how to tell you this. He said, "Um, the genetic marker that was still there, even though your blood was healed, there was still a genetic marker. It's gone. And this doctor looks at us. This doctor looks at us, and we're standing in the kitchen. We got tears rolling down our face, and he says, the only thing I can credit to this to is the good work y'all are doing. He's pre-Christian. But it was after that. It was after we were healed. That something happened to me. And laying in the hotel room in September of 2018, the Holy Spirit woke me up. And as I sat up in the bed, he said, what happened to your roar? And I said, Lord, I don't have a roar. Because it's easiest to backslide after the battle. Some of you haven't had that spouse saved yet because God can't trust you with the other side. They're going to get radically saved and you're going to go bitter and angry. And I'm in the hotel room and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says to me, what happened? And I grabbed my phone and I'm sitting in the bed. And I said, Lord, what do you mean roar? I don't even understand that. I don't even know anything about lions. I, ne- I remember taking Abby to the zoo when she was little in Birmingham, Alabama. And Abby and I are standing there. And true story, my daughter's Asian. So I looked at her and we're standing there looking at this big lion that's staring at us. And I said, Abby, he loves Chinese food. <laughs> and she goes, no, he doesn't. He likes vanilla ice cream like you and ran off. We're very politically incorrect. I just want you to know. I said, Lord, what do you mean? What happened to my roar? He said, the wicked flee for no reason, but the righteous are bold as lions. Where's your roar? And I grabbed my phone and I wrote this down. And he said, and I wrote this. And it says, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. This is the prophetic word he gave me. They've lost their will to fight. Fear, exhaustion, and culture has taken their roar away. They must be awakened and realize that they are called to be voices of truth that carry freedom in the hearts and fire in the spirits. Restore the roar. Tell my lions to roar again. Then he took me to Amos, the third chapter, looking at verse 8. And I jumped over in the Bible to Amos 3.8. He told me the scripture. Look up. I didn't even know this was there. I look it up. Amos 3.8. It says, the lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken, but who can prophesy? When the lions lose their roar, we lose the spirit of prophecy. When you lose your fire, when you lose your passion, you lose the spirit of uh, of prophecy. What are you talking about? I wrote this down in the front of Restore the Roar. The restoration of the roar is when his spirit arises once again from the depths of your gut where it's been caged and caged under lock and key by low expectations, a wounded spirit, and a lack of hunger. hunger. Then suddenly a ferocious passion awakens. What I saw with the young lady that was down here that began to pray out loud in the Holy Ghost and gave the message in tongues, that was a release of a roar. Intimidation was broke off her at that moment. But see, what you have to understand, I've got to confront two terrorists if you want a revival here that has come into America. Two terrorists that have walked in as if they were sent by Al-Qaeda. And they have overtaken our nation. In fact, they're massive on the millennial and and the Gen Zers. Because they're walking in such absolute fear. In fact, they're teaching our children for the rest of their lives they should wear a mask. And what you have to understand, we've come to confront two terrorists. What are they? Fear and lethargy. And I'm going to, pre- I'm going to confront that, and we're going to break it off this house. Because some of you, even when Pastor talked about sowing it into the camp meeting next week, you immediately felt constriction upon your finances because you don't truly trust God. Every time I need a miracle, I give everything away. 
I don't care. If we're going bankrupt, we're going together. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. And it goes on to say that we will not have to, that, we, that our children's children will be blessed. But I've learned this. Tragedy has a trajectory and steals your identity. I'll never forget, right in the middle of the whole cancer war and the whole battle, she was waiting. She had flown home from Brazil, but we're waiting to go to the doctor. We were at the condo in, in Orange Beach, uh, and, and all of a sudden, no one's there yet. The, the, the ocean is quiet. We're just there. We came in one night, and all of a sudden, there was a group of women standing in front of our condo singing. And they were singing the song, It May Look Like I'm Surrounded, But I'm Surrounded by Him. It was the song we had listened to every morning during her cancer fight. Later found out it was from a church that I had actually ministered at. They just decided to stop in front of our condo unit in Orange Beach and pray and sing. And say, what you have to understand, there's a moment where you begin to rise up. There's a moment where you begin to shift. But after she was healed, we were now content to survive because we had lost our roar. There's something about getting through the battle, and then all of a sudden on the other side of it, you're just like, leave me alone. Don't ask me to get involved, Pastor. Don't ask me to be a part of what's happening here. I've been through so much. In fact, I came to your church so I could sit in the back row, and no one would bother me. She had been healed, but we had lost it. Do you know what I've learned? Karen wrote this down. Fear is a learned or perceived aberration that over time you allow to become an absolute. A learned or perceived aberration. That means hallucination that over time becomes an absolute. It's something that's there and you've allowed it to take such hold of you. Do you understand? God had said to her, Karen, do you trust me? There's a big difference in faith and trust. Faith is a result of who God is. Trust is a result of who God is in you. Faith is knowing the power of God. Trust is knowing he's at work. Trust is faith graduated. It's another level. It's a level most believers don't get to. It's a place where you go, I already, you know what trust is? Karen says it like this. It's her memory book with God. When he sat down beside her at 12 years on on a park bench and began to talk to her when she was in junior high. That is the shift. That's when God begins to change you. But now we were content. And what had muted our voices? Fear. 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 I would stand up and preach and put the mask on because you have to do that. Sometimes you put a mask on. But what you understand is fear is the thief, the thief of yesterday's dreams, the intimidator of today's promises, the emasculator of tomorrow's warriors. Fear is courage waiting to be awakened. Oh, I haven't forgot about the 80. I'm coming back to them in a minute. Can I just encourage you with something? Fear has the ability to manipulate the God truth in you. When fear enters, you can't breathe. That's why she launched the breathing room on YouTube and 20, 30, 40,000 people watch it because she was having trouble breathing during that time. But Job 33 verse 4 says the spirit of God made me, but the breath of God gives me life. And so you have to understand she refused to give up during this time. But now on the other side of it, I, God said to me, what happened to your roar? And he offended me. But do you understand that fear is the, em the embryo of courage? It's courage waiting to be awakened. And there's a moment where you got to quit divorcing God for a mistress called fear. 
Some of you have been through so much in your past life, in your pre-Jesus life, and now all of a sudden you keep waiting on the enemy to use that against you. Instead of realizing that's buried at the cross and understanding that God says, I already got this thing. And there's a moment. It's like, no, I deserve it. No, I deserve it. Really? How dare you think that your fear can, can somehow cancel out my cross? And I'll never forget, God gave this to Karen. In fact, she put it on a poster. And this is in people's houses all over America now. Because she put it down on a poster one day. And it was something, she woke up and it was in the middle of the battle. And she could hardly walk. And she was fighting. And she was standing in front of the mirror. And she's, she's very beautiful. And she's standing in front of the mirror. And she's standing there. And she says, she just starts weeping. God, I don't want to miss my daughter's graduation. I don't want to miss Abby's, Abby's wedding. I don't want to miss my grandsons growing up. Lord, what? And all of a sudden, the Lord said, Karen, I gave you weapons. Somebody say, grab your weapons. See, God gives you three weapons to defeat fear. And he showed her this. And he took her to 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and soundness of mind. And she goes, no, Lord, I know that scripture. I've heard it my whole life. I understand. He said, no, Karen, study deeper. So she started studying. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power. What is power? Dunamis. Dynamite. The ability to see and walk in miraculous signs and wonders. The ability to direct or influence behaviors of others. You missed that. You have an anointing that can change your office tomorrow morning. You have an anointing that can change your house. When that once a week fight comes. So number one, he gave you dunamis, dynamite. Number two, he gave you love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Love is patient. Love is kind. First, First Corinthians 13, and gives a definition. It's the only emotion that God gives a definition of in the Bible. He gave you power, love. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. So he gave me the ability to change the atmosphere. He always he gave me the ability to persevere and to trust. And then soundness of mind. That's actually two terms right there. When you study it in the Greek, it's sophroneo when you put it together. What is sophroneo? A mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, and brought into a place of safety and security so that it is no longer affected by illogical unfounded, absurd thoughts. So every time they don't like me at the church, they're going to get mad at me and you're going to go to the next church like you always do and you get mad at that church and go to the next church and go to the next church and go to the next church because you allow the absurd thoughts to come in. They're talking about me. Pastor was looking right at me when he was preaching. I hope he was. But see, you have to understand that, well, this is happening. This is happening. I mean, I'm about to lose everything. Bankers going to knock on the door. Oh, I wonder what that phone call is. It's probably the ambulance. It's absurd thoughts. Open your back door of your head and say get out and what you have to understand is God began to speak to her it's 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 casting down imaginations anything that's bigger than the promise of God is a lie do you understand faith is the antidote for fear I love Billy Sunday the old preacher and Billy Sunday made this statement he said, fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and lo, no one was there. But it's the second terrorist that comes in. It's the sister of fear, and its name is lethargy. I survived this battle. It's always easiest to backslide after the victory, not before. Do you understand? Lethargy is actually the daughter of fear. 
And what you have to realize, I found the greatest breakthroughs. You can have a lethargic spirit come on you towards the very one that rescued you. I'm just here. I've been through that back there, and I don't want anybody to bother me. I don't want, because, you know, if I start getting involved in church again, I'm going to get attacked. Really? Remember when Paul lands on the island of Malta? He survives a, a shipwreck floating in the water for three days. On the way to his trial. He crawls up on the beach. Everybody's half dead. And all of a sudden, they decide to build a fire. And what happens? He starts picking up sticks. And when they get close to fire, somebody had picked up a snake. And when he gets close to fire, or Paul had, it immediately grabbed hold of him, a poisonous, deadly snake, and bit him. And he went, get off me. You know what I've learned? Some of you have survived shipwrecks. The Bible speaks of your faith being shipwrecked. You went to that church. That guy had a moral failure. That person did this. That person did that. They took advantage of this. They spent money this way. You survived the shipwreck, so you go to the next place, and you start serving, and then you get bit. And if you don't shake off the snake that's going to bite you, you're going to take on a murdering spirit. Because it's the second bite that takes you out, not the first bite. And if you backslide because church hurts you, I want to tell you, your kids will be worse. I want to say to you, you have no power or authority to backslide because you're teaching your kids that God is fake. And the enemy comes in seven times stronger when you leave your house unguarded. Is that all right if I say this? But see what you have to understand. We were at a place. I'm in that hotel. I just wanted peace. I just wanted to be done. I didn't want to provoke any devils. I'm like, God, we've been through enough. We had wrote rebuilding the altar. Then all this stuff started happening at us. And we started getting attacked. Can I tell you something? Lethargy brings a settling spirit. But I want to go so deep in God. Psalms 42 verse 7. Deep calls them deep. I want to go so deep into God that if the enemy comes at me. That, and, and I want to go be so deep in God that if the enemy throws me a rope called settle, it can't reach me. Because deep crieth under deep. And God is saying, I'm looking for those that will rise up with a holy fire. I'm looking for those that will stand firm. I'm looking for, for those that will say, I've got to get back in the game. Because some of you used to be called and you think you can walk away. You cannot. He set his seal of ownership on you. You cannot leave the call of God. You will be miserable and make your family even more miserable. And the best way to know you're called to preach is you wake up thinking about it. And you go to bed thinking about it. And everything that happens, you be a sermon, a great sermon illustration. And if you ignore it, you're going to be a mean board member, all right? <laughs> Just preaching truth. But I love what William Booth said. He made this statement. He said, we must wake ourselves up or somebody else will take our place and bear our cross and thereby rob us of our crown. And God is saying, I'm looking for the church to wake up now. I'm looking for the church to come out. I'm looking for the church to step up and get your identity back. What do you mean? It's 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, that we are the righteousness of God. Get your testimony back. Spirit, water, and blood. 1 John 5, 6 through 8 speaks of spirit, water, and blood. Do you know who you are? You should be walking into places and people turn around going, what's different about you? You got something on you. I need to tell. It happens to me all the time. I'll sit down on flights and I'll just be looking at my phone. I'll be sitting on a plane. And some businessman will lean over and go, what's different about you? Come on. Happens all the time. And there's a moment where you realize you are an atmosphere invader. You're a space invader. And when God began to speak to us, I started studying the lion. 
God, I just started studying lion. I thought, okay, what does this even mean? Restore the roar. Why is the wicked flee for no reason, but the righteous are as bold as lion? Why does it talk about lions all through word of God's word? Why is he of the lion of the tribe of Judah? I'll show you. When does the lion roar? In fact, let me give you the steps to restore the roar. I looked up why lions roar. And it was so powerful because I realized I had been doing it. And, 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 I, and I got this. Lions roar to tell other lions. Bring that up for me. The lions roar to tell other lions where they are. To show how big they are. Their strength. To warn lions from other prides. To keep away from their home territory. They also roar when they are hungry. They do this mostly just before sunrise and sunset. When they are most active. What do you mean? Number one. They roar. To declare their location. I went uh, to South Africa last year and preached an incredible move of God there in Cape Town. And, and they took me on a real safari, like a real, real safari. And, and I'm out in the, do you know that when a lion roars, you can hear it five miles away. That if it roars next to a Jeep, it will loosen the bolts. At one point, we had, I had, my assistant who was traveling with me downloaded. I said, download a roar off YouTube. Let's see what happens. Don't do this. <laughs> True story. We're riding in a Jeep, real safari, real jungle. And I said, all right, plug it in and play it over there to the speaker. He plugs it in and, st- and it starts letting off a roar. Oh, man. <laughs> These lions came up on us. And if their tail ever sticks up, you're about to die. And Mario, our tour guide, was like, we got to go. <laughs> I almost sacrificed my assistant. For the cause of the gospel. I'm like, throw him out. I had a friend with me who's a world champion rugby guy. He's in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, throw him out. He's got to go. His mom and dad will understand. It's for the gospel. (laughs) But do you know that when a lion roars, understand something, they roar to declare their locations. I wish somebody in here would make up your mind where you stand. I wish somebody in here would understand Amos 3.8, the lion has roared, who will not fear the, the sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy. I wish somebody in here, we would know what you stand for. See, we're living in a day and age where culture will tell you to say sin is sin and righteousness is strange. And they'll tell you things about what marriage is today, according to them, that goes against Matthew 19 and God's word. And they'll tell you that you're just a hate person if you tell that. And we're so afraid of offending people's flesh that we don't care about what we do with their spirit. That's why 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, keep your eyes on uh, open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you got, be resolute, love without stopping. But the only difference between the believer's voice of today and the voice of perversion with a radical agenda is we went quiet when they went loud. So number one, let us know where you stand. Number two, I'm just telling you why the lion roars. They roar to declare their strength. Proverbs 28, verse 1, the wicked run away with no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. What do you mean? Declare the faithfulness of God. When is the last time you got up in the morning time when your kids are getting ready for school and you walk through the house letting them know how big their God was, how awesome their God is, how mighty their God is. It's Hebrews 10, let us hold fast the confession. It's an understanding where you get your faith back. His name is faithful and true, Revelation 19, verse 11. It's when you begin to stand when no one else will stand. Are you getting this so far? And then number three, and I'm almost done, they roar to warn others this is their territory. 
come on mama I'm talking to you somebody that'll stand up and say not my house devil you ain't coming on my front porch devil you ain't walking into my family you ain't attacking my marriage I'm looking for somebody Amos 3, 4, does a lion roar in the forest if there's no carcass to devour? Does a young lion growl with pleasure if he hasn't caught his supper? I'm looking for somebody. I'm looking for somebody that will roar and say, wait a minute, this is my territory. It's Proverbs 30, 30. The lion, which is mightiest among beasts, does not ever back away. It's 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be alert for the devil. Your adversary seeks to pounce on you like a roaring lion. But it goes on to say, but know this, brothers and sisters all over the world are going through what you're going through. They roar when they're hungry. What are you hungry for? Matthew 5, verse 6. I love the Passion Translation. How rich you are when you crave righteousness. And then they roar in the morning and the evening. See, I've come to tell you something. God's about to release a roar in this room. I didn't understand this when we were going through this with Karen's all out attack, but I would get up in the morning time and I would say, Alexa, play worship, then it would go through our whole house. I think the, I think the government listens in on that. I'm just going to tell you the truth, but anyway. Because <laughs> we'll be talking about a new pair of shoes and all of a sudden, boom, on my phone, new pair of shoes, wow! <laughs> but I would tell worship, I'd say, play surrounded Alexa through the whole house and as everybody would wake up in the morning time, it'd be going, it may look like I'm surrounded, but... Then when I get ready to go to bed at night, I would get, stand at the edge of the bed and I'd just begin to pray and cry out to God. You know what I've learned? The lion roars in the morning and the evening. Look what the Bible says in Psalms right here. Psalms 92 verse 1. It is good to praise the Lord and make music in your name almost high, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. I have learned that if you'll praise him in the morning and the evening, you'll sandwich him in the day. Sandwich for you northerners. It's like battery. Put him right in the middle. See, what you have to know is, as I get ready to close and share this word, if you'll roar today, the next generation will see his face. And 2 Chronicles 26 goes on to say, King Uzziah, who got angry, began to rage at them. They confronted him, and the Bible says he broke out in leprosy. And the Bible says that King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. Because the minute he started, they confronted him. Leprosy broke out on his forehead. You know what I've learned? When you confront a spirit in somebody, it's coming out. And he begins to rage at them, and they just all freeze. Azariah and the idiot of the courageous priest freeze. And next thing you know, he's being ushered out because leprosy broke out on his forehead. The death of the flesh. But the Bible even goes on to say that he was taken outside. And he lived in a separate house, banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son... had charge of the palace and government, the people of the land. Do you know that Jotham never went to the house of God again? Because how you mistreat the presence of God determines how your kids will go back to it. And see, what you have to understand, a lot of people don't understand the next part of this. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. Do you understand who Isaiah the prophet is? He is the cousin of King Uzziah. Do you understand they were best friends? And that's why it says in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year that pride died, I saw the Lord. But you have to understand 
had those 80 not confronted him, they would have ne- we would never have Isaiah's upper room of the Old Testament. Remember what I told you this morning? There's always scripture that reflects Old Testament, New Testament. They bounce each other. They're parallel. And what you have to understand is there's a moment where you begin to understand in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw God high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Do you know the first five chapters of the Old Testament? Isaiah was best just basically writing uh, a newspaper because he would just say, woe to you, woe to you. He was judging everybody. When you have a true encounter with God, you don't say, woe to you, woe to you. You say, woe is me. I just seen God. And I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and mine eyes have seen the King, Lord Almighty. And then the angel came and touched his lips with coal, and God screamed out, Who shall I send? And he said, Here am I, send me. You have to get where I'm going, church. There's a moment that happens. Had those 80s not confronted that king, we would not have this in the Bible. If you want your kids to see God and have an encounter with God, you've got to rise up and say, Enough is enough, because the commissioning of the call is always a direct result of conquering what was meant to render your purpose and some of you in this room need to stand up and say I'm done with this I'm done with living in fear I'm done with being crippled when my kids get on the school bus or my family leaves for work I'm done with going to the doctor and living in constant fear instead of walking in supernatural faith are you getting this because you have to understand Jesus was the lamb that was led to the cross but while on the cross he became the lion that roared and he roared so proudly and so loudly because he is Judah's wealth of Genesis 39 Revelation chapter 5 speaks of him being the lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you know why he comes from the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is the fourth tribe? Because he could not come from the first three three tribes. What do you mean? Reuben was the first tribe. He had incest with his stepmother. Then there's Simeon and Levi. He couldn't come from those tribes because they, they defended when God told them not to their sister's rape. So you'll never find Jesus in a church that only propagates in the house. And never goes out and wins souls. That's called spiritual incest. Or a church split. You know where you'll find him? In Judah. Which means worshipers arise. He is the lion of the tribe of the worshipers that arise. And there's an understanding that when he went to the cross, he roared. Mark, the Bible speaks in Mark 15. He cried out passionately. His roar was so loud it wasn't heard five miles away. It was so powerful it tore a veil in half. There was six foot wall of religion. And the Bible says that when he declared in John, it is finished. At that moment, he went from being a lamb to a lion. His face changed. At that moment, he shifted and the warrior woke up and began to cry out. Do you understand that in this room, God is looking for somebody that will stand up right where you're at and scream, oh God, your reputation is at stake. I need a miracle. And if that is you, let the roar rise up. Stand up on your feet and cry out. Come on, somebody say, oh God, your reputation's at stake. 